Uh, I also was able to find an advisor, which I recommend to anyone who has a start, especially if that person is in your particular you know, segment of the industry. I met an advisor through LinkedIn. So I targeted a few people who would be good for that. Many people actually ask me about that. There's always like an ongoing debate of like how much you should offer to your advisor. What I always yeah. recommend to startup founders is to go with the template. There's one offered by Founders Institute. It's essentially like a template of agreement between you and your advisor. And then also it has a specific uh, um, range of equity that the advisor mm-hmm. receives, which corresponds to the time that they are dedicating to your startup, their experience. Uh, and that usually falls somewhere between a 0.2 to 1% of equity. You're listening to Foreign Founders, where we tell stories of immigrant and international founders who are working tirelessly to shape the future. We share stories of their upbringing, culture, and background, and explore the companies and products they're building. We want to highlight these founders because these are stories that are often not told. Thank you for joining us. Total consumer debt balances are rising quickly. And in 2023, it was a total of 17.06 trillion, according to Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Out of various type of consumer debt, credit cards increased by 13.2% year over year, according to Experian. And credit card debt is one of the most expensive kind of debt. With the new year brings a moment to reflect. And for many, it's a moment to change our behaviors. So I thought this would be an amazing time to bring onto the show a company who is tackling the problem of debt. Ella Bader is the co-founder and CEO of Debt Zero, an AI-powered debt release solution for creditors. Ella has 13 years of experience in technology and seven years as a startup founder and CEO. Prior to founding Debt Zero, she was the founder of another startup, Airwander, and was a product manager at finance companies on mobile and web applications. I'm really excited to have Ella on the show to talk about consumer debt and debt zero specifically. Welcome to Foreign Founders. Hi, thank you. I would love to hear about your background. Where'd you grow up? Sure, sure. Yes, so uh, I grew up in Poland. Uh, I was born in Poland and I lived in southeast Poland, which is close to the border with Ukraine. Uh, so I had many friends from Ukraine, which you know makes the current situation a little, little sad for me uh, with the with the war. Um, and uh, yeah, I grew up in Poland. Uh, I uh, uh, lived in a small town in southeast. Went to high school there, and then I moved to Warsaw, capital of Poland, for university. And I did my bachelor degrees there. I studied linguistics, so not really related to technology. I uh, went into technology through work experience. And um, after I did my bachelor, I did my master in France. So I lived in France also for uh, a bit over a year. After I graduated, I uh, worked in French Alps, which was an interesting experience. Uh, I mainly did it so that I can snowboard uh, uh, during the during the winter season there, and that was an amazing experience. And I love then, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't wasn't really something that you know moved my career much further, but was good for 
practicing the language and uh, having fun. Um, and yeah, being able to like do a lot of snowboarding at, at that time. And yeah. Uh, yeah, once I started to get a little bit more serious about my career, I, I went back to Warsaw. I got a job as product manager. Uh, it was a, a Polish company called uh, Adler Europe. And they are manufacturing electronic appliances in China and distributing them in 30 countries in Europe. Uh, so I've learned a lot uh, when I was there. But ultimately, I've left to um, pursue my dream to travel to North and South America. Why was it your dream to go to North and South America? Yeah, this is a good question. I think I always enjoyed the culture of these places. I enjoyed the music, the food. Um, there were some uh, natural wonders there that I wanted to see, such as Iguazu Falls in Brazil and Argentina. Um, there was a lot of really epic hikes there, and I was really into that. And I just wanted to do like an extended backpacking trip. Uh, and that just like, was the place that attracted me the most. Um, mm -hmm. I also wanted to learn Spanish. Uh, I didn't speak, yeah, I didn't actually speak any Spanish and learn only once I started to travel and speak to people in person. So, are you multilingual and how many languages? Yes, yes, I actually speak four languages so, uh, Polish, obviously, and then uh, French, Spanish, and English. Wow. <laughs> Were there any formative experiences growing up where you look back and you're like, oh, those were moments that I knew I was going to become a founder for Debt Zero? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really thought about becoming an entrepreneur when I was younger. Uh, that said, you know, my grandma was uh, uh, an entrepreneur. My grandmother started a couple of businesses and um, I didn't think that it will be my path, but I think potentially that's what influenced me in some way, seeing her, you know, move from, um, you know, when she was young, it was like extreme poverty to, to moving to like mm -hmm. actually quite a very good quality of life and she did it by herself and like supported the whole family so i think that was potentially a building block that i didn't really thought of that much your travel to north and south america you said that was your dream and being immersed in uh, spanish culture as well you finally ended up in california is that right and that's where you you've been living for like the last 13 14 years yeah, exactly, exactly. And that was that was kind of a crazy story, you know, because I, um, you know, when I left my job in Warsaw and uh, I went on that trip, I actually started in Canada. So Vancouver was my first uh, stop. I was there very briefly. I then went uh, down south and went to Nevada for Burning Man Festival. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that was really spontaneous, but really amazing, really life-changing event. Um, and after that, I was in California for a few weeks. I had some friends there. And uh, one of my friends actually took me to the meeting with, um, it was like a startup founder meetup, some type of like tech meetup. And that's where I saw people working on their ideas uh, people starting their own businesses uh, and it was people like me they didn't have like any special experience uh, uh, and for many of them it was their first company 
So um, that's what really resonated with me. That's when I, I had that feeling of like, oh, wow, I can, I can do it too. Um, I then continued with my trip. You know, I, I started in North, North America. I continued down south. I took a flight to Brazil. I, I, um, I was there for Carnival, which was really incredible experience <laughs> in Rio de Janeiro. Um, I followed to Argentina, Chile. I went to Bolivia, Peru, uh, Colombia, Ecuador. That was like an extended backpacking trip. And it was an incredible experience. I learned a lot about these countries, people who live there. I now speak Spanish fluently, mm -hmm. which I didn't think ever will happen. And, uh, um, you know, learned a lot about the world. And it, it really like... Um, yeah, it, it, it was a really incredible experience to have that trip. Highly recommended to anyone, like at some point in their life, to to do an extended backpacking trip. Um, and how long was the total trip? The total trip was eight months. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, 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 and yeah. And you know, like I really stretched my budget at the time. I was uh, staying in hostels or sometimes, you know, camping, hitchhiking, also. Yeah. You know, local transportation. So yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of fun, a lot of difficulties as well. Uh, but you know, that taught me also resilience and troubleshooting for like any life problems. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was definitely a great great learning experience. You know what? I think uh, COVID actually gave like post COVID with a lot of remote workers have given a lot of opportunity for people to do these extended stays. You've been doing this for those more common. And definitely, you know, later I also had some extended stays where I would travel and just be somewhere for a month. Um, yeah. I was in Thailand for four months and working remotely, just sort of like being a digital nomad. So that's a good experience as well. Um, yeah. What do you think being a digital nomad does for you, whether that's on a personal level or professional yeah yeah you know like i think on the personal level like you definitely grow as a person in the dimensions that you wouldn't necessarily grow if you just stayed at your own you know hometown or the town or city that you work in uh, yeah. because some of these places they're so different than than the place you live very mm -hmm. often it's a different political system, a different culture, different religion, different attitude that people have to their life. And, you know, you can sort of like see that and decide what you want to keep, what you don't want to keep out of your own, you know, culture and these other cultures. So I definitely see it as like a building block in terms of, yeah, your own like personality habits and um, work as well. Yeah, it can definitely also impact your work in positive ways meeting people who are also like, it gives you that opportunity to meet people outside of your network as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. That you came to California and then met a bunch of people who were kind of like you, where they were building companies and being entrepreneurs. What were those specific things that you saw in them that you're like, oh, I can do it as well? Yeah, good question. I think I think what resonated with me is, um, you know, sometimes when you think about it, like who's the CEO, right? Like who's the like head of the company? And often you imagine like somebody in a suit, somebody who spent like already ten years in that industry, and yeah. you know somehow made their way up. But this was different. This was 
sometimes people just straight after college. Sometimes somebody yeah. would work at a different tech company, but mainly what it was is just people who had ideas and decided to pursue these ideas. So I would say that probably just like, you know, that the one of the main characteristics was like, you know, as long as you're determined, as long as you have some perseverance and ambition and you're not yeah. afraid to work hard, uh, put in an effort, you can give it a try. And um, yeah, one thing that I've learned from my own startup journey is that like, it's almost never a loss, even though your startup doesn't exit, even though maybe you don't have this like monetary outcome that you expected, just yeah. like the experience, just the things that you learn. And then later, if you get to the point that you, you know, maybe your startup didn't really succeed and you need to get a job, you yeah. will have much better chance of getting a, you know, higher paid job, like better position, something more interesting because people yeah. value that startup experience. I agree with you. My first startup failed miserably, but the I think how I operate and how I look at things have changed for the better. And I now apply that to a lot of different things that I do, especially, you know, I look at how I did, let's mm -hmm. say, marketing and growth in the past and how I do it now based on the experiences that I've built over time. I think, um, no, I agree with you. It is functionally um, sometimes harder, especially if you have like a little bit of break from your previous role. But yeah, as you know, uh, anywhere, they're always like, let's have more entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurial yeah. mindset into your role. And you yeah. actually, as a founder, have that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. A lot of people are looking for these characteristics. Yeah. For these yeah. like, yeah, to your point, entrepreneurship mindset and, and some of these other, yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the, the companies that you built and then ultimately the company that you're building right now, Debt Zero? Sure, definitely. Yeah, so, uh, you know, after my South America trip, I went back to San Francisco, stayed there for a little bit longer. And, uh, you know, at the end of that trip, I started to have the, started to form the idea for, uh, what became Airwander. Uh, but, you know, it started with kind of like a personal problem of like, I was traveling a lot and I found this um, travel hack of combining multiple flights. And mm -hmm. uh, that helped me to travel to more places for less um, because very often a direct flight will be more expensive than if you, you know, in a smart way, combine flights together and that was was creating these savings, and obviously as a as a traveler, uh, as a backpacker, I was really enjoying these additional destinations. Like essentially, for me, a stopover would be an additional destination. I would stay there for a yeah. few days, explore, <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, meeting some other travelers who valued that as well. I thought, hey, maybe there's something here. And I did my research. I didn't find anything that would work exactly in that way. Mm. Um, so I thought maybe there's an opportunity here. And yeah, started just like literally with a, with a napkin, <laughs> writing it on a piece <laughs> of paper and then moving from that idea, you know, yeah. creating some, some specs around it, some schemas, some like flows of like how it will all function. Yeah. And, um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess, you know, like I had that experience of like being a product manager back in Poland. I also had uh, a short experience of being, uh, um, 
like a support engineer. So like having some, you know, experience in technology, some experience in product management that help. Nonetheless, mm -hmm. you know, in that fa first uh, uh, like year or two, like I, I really didn't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but <laughs> so like learning everything on the fly. Um, and that's the best way, really, if you just like emerge yourself in the um, project and you work on it, that's the best way to learn is just by doing. So definitely with the startup, the learning is really accelerated. And that's what I enjoyed about it as well. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I started with just really myself working on Air Wonder, met my co-founder also. Um and uh, at that point, like the, the company was like in super early stage. I was between Poland and San Francisco for the first few years. So like spending some time in Poland, sometime in Bay Area, depending what was important for the company. Uh, I hired engineers back in Poland, which helped me to bootstrap my startup and um, really stretch my budget. Yeah. Uh, and then when I need to, when I had to like meet with investors, uh, when I was fundraising, I would go back to San Francisco. Uh, so, mm -hmm. so that's kind of like how my life was at that time. Um, okay. yeah. And, and, you know, I assembled a small co-founding team. We built a product, uh, we grew it to 1 million users and we reached revenue stage. Wow. I then, um, yeah, I raised the seed round from Angel Investors. Our round, our seed round was led by uh, Sand Hill Angels. Yeah, so that's, that's yeah. a little bit of story there with, with Air Wonder. And it still exists, by the way. Um, if people go to airwonder.com, uh, they can still use the, the flight search engine and find some exciting um, bonds destinations. Yeah. Did you end up selling that business? No, uh, the business still goes on. My co-founder and the team, uh, uh, they are still continuing that and still iterating on the product. Uh, yeah. But I have I was doing it for six years as a founder and CEO for six years. Then my co-founder became the CEO and um, I wanted to try a different industry. So okay. I, I moved, uh, yeah, I exited, but the company still still goes on. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then this new industry, how do you pick it and what was it? Yeah. So, you know, after Air Wonder, I worked at Compass for a while, which was a real estate technology company. I then uh, worked at Achieve, which is a personal finance company. Yeah. And um, their previous name is Freedom Financial Network. Uh, one of their products is Freedom Debt Relief. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially when I've learned about uh, debt relief and how the process works. Uh, it's quite a niche, so it's not something that many people are familiar with. And I was very excited about it uh, uh, for that reason, actually. That's something completely new uh, for me to, to learn about. Um, and actually, when I was there, I was building a mobile application that was helping people get out of debt. And then mm -hmm. also uh, uh, for some people, uh, uh, maybe they would also be offered some of these products. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so I wasn't working exactly on a debt relief product, but that's when I was um, became really interested in it and um, was reading a lot about it and eventually decided, 
you know, after Air Wonder, I always knew that at some point I will start another company. I knew that yeah. I would be a founder again, but just kind of like waited for the right opportunity, for the right idea to come. And that was that moment when I felt yeah. that this is the right opportunity to work on. What what pushed you that it was a debt relief was the right problem that you wanted to solve? Was it a specific insight that you had? Um, what What were they? Yeah, so one of the reasons was that um, while I was learning about the process, I noticed uh, areas of improvement that okay. I didn't see anybody, uh, uh, you know, attempting to resolve it in the way that I was thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, so that was one reason, which is just like seeing it as this like niche that's not really um, fully explored yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, there's there's a lot of aha moments and being able to like have that vision and see that um, that's that is one of those moments. Um, mm-hmm. Before we move forward to what exactly like that zero is with Air Wonder and building it in California, um, do you mind if I ask like what was the visa status for for you when you were building that company? Because a lot of the immigrant founders who come you know, to the U.S., they have like multiple different visa uh, statuses mm-hmm. and it might be helpful to just understand what what was it for you. Yeah, you know, like at the beginning, I wasn't here for uh, for that long. So um, it's it's later in the time when I when I got the visa that enabled me to stay for longer. At the beginning, it was, uh, you know, being I would say probably larger part of the year in Poland and then here mm-hmm. only when it was needed, which gotcha. was also beneficial for, you know, bootstrapping and like saving costs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Living cost is so yeah. expensive in San Francisco. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. <laughs> yeah. Debt zero. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so you know, uh, I started Dead Zero, uh, and uh, uh, essentially, yeah, being like really excited about the potential of this idea, uh, I took a different approach here than the companies in the space um, are taking. So, um, you know, the debt relief uh, today it happens in two ways. One is the borrower can attempt to resolve debt directly with the lender, with either you know credit card company or with their bank or with their credit union, whoever provided them that that loan or that credit card. Um, yeah. And they can do it by literally just calling a general phone number and trying to get to the right person, which is a painful process for the borrower and also yeah. not optimal for the lender. And also not that many people are even aware that that exists, that that can be possible. So many borrowers don't even attempt it, even though they would qualify for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other option is to work with a third party debt relief company, such as the company uh, as, as, as a chief where I worked before. Um, yeah. And that's how majority of people do it. However, this process is very difficult for both the borrower and the lender. The borrower needs to default on their debt and they need to do it for consecutive two or three months at least to really have that leverage in the negotiation. And Hmm. uh, so the borrowers are encouraged to default on their debt, which then 
obviously has an impact on their credit score and stays on their credit record for a few years. Yeah. Uh, the lenders are kind of like kept in the dark, right? Because they are not even aware that somebody's part of the debt relief process. And they only learn about it when there's actually the negotiation happening. And the third party here acts as a middleman in that negotiation. So they negotiate on behalf of the borrower with the lender. So seeing these um, the issues with that process, that's when where uh, my idea with, with Debt Zero, um, yeah. uh, that's what Debt Zero is about, is essentially doing it differently and improving that process. So what mm-hmm. we do, we focus on automating the direct debt relief between lender and borrower. So mm-hmm. we create a technology that fully automates a debt relief workflow where the lender can, in a very easy way, provide debt resolution option to borrowers who have some financial um, troubles. Mm-hmm. And they can do it in a proactive way. They can do it in a scalable way. They can offer to all of their borrowers who, who match the criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's fully automated, it can also save a lot of time of um, collection team or debt consultant team uh, instead of spending it on with each client individually on the phone. They can focus yeah. on more complex cases and some of these cases that can be where the approval can be automated, they can just be automatically processed. Somebody can get automatically approved for debt relief mm-hmm. and uh, um, yeah, and get that benefit of either debt reduction or forbearance or, or something else that helps this borrower get back on their feet and eventually achieve financial freedom. So is debt zero with every all the automated um, debt relief? Is it, uh, one way to describe it, is it some sort of a marketplace for the customers and the, the lenders and the borrowers? Uh, not exactly. We thought about uh, a marketplace, but uh, more what it is, it's a B2B solution uh, powered by AI that, uh, you know, we work directly with lenders. So it's... Um, it's essentially the easy way to think about it. It's automating the workflow that exists and that it's done manually. Gotcha. Okay. And with this, yeah, um, we all know that if you jump on a call with anything, it's just such a painful process. So I totally understand, you know, um, what when you said there's two ways currently of doing it. Um, and first way is very cumbersome. Second way it is... Uh, you have to default. It's difficult, and um, like the lenders don't know who who's doing that mm-hmm. process unless they get contacted. Are you able to share any stats on like how quickly do people resolve these using debt zero? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a great question. We currently don't have the metrics on that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're building that up. Uh, uh, by the way, if, if anybody who's listening works in fintech or, or works in any uh, bank, credit union, fintech lender, company, anyone who's doing unsecured debt, uh, happy to hear from you. Uh, uh, you know, you can, you can contact us on debtzero.ai. Um, but yeah, as of now, we don't have metrics to, to... We're still an early stage startup. Yeah. And uh, who's your team? 
because you said with Airwander, you had a co-founder, um, mm-hmm. but that co-founder at Airwander is now the CEO. Did you go out and uh, build a whole new team? How did you meet your co-founders? Yeah. Yeah, I built a whole new team and definitely having the experience with first startups significantly helps. Yeah. <laughs> the second time around, it's way easier. I, I go through these steps way faster than before. Plus you uh, raise money last... too. Uh-huh. So people are like, oh my gosh, this is a founder who's second time. Not only that, but also raised you know, money before. Yeah. It's totally yeah, different. That's true. That's true. It helps as well. The, the fundraising experience definitely helps as well. And yeah, um, yeah. but you know, it's still, uh, it still takes a while. So it took me four months to find a co-founder. And oh, wow. um, I was doing it mainly just for some online platforms that I found for, you know, founder matching. Um, there's one that's provided by YC. Uh, Y Combinator has a founder matching uh, platform where you just fill out your profile and then you can schedule calls with potential founders. So that's what I did and that's how I met my co-founder. But yeah, it it still took some time. Uh, I also was able to find an advisor, which I recommend to anyone who has a startup. It really helps to have an advisor, especially if that person is in your particular um, segment of the industry. Um, so our, our advisor is a CFO at one of the fintech lenders, which significantly helps us with, uh, making some crucial decisions for the company. Did you meet that advisor through, uh, YC's platform as well? No, I met advisor through LinkedIn. So I targeted a few people who would be good for that, um, role and, um, then had some conversations so yeah. yeah, it was literally just contacting people on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome and so cool that this person like was like, yeah, I would love to be your advisor and help you. Um, did you uh, recommend giving out like shares for the advisory? How how do you structure that? Yeah. Just super basic is totally fine, but helpful. Yes, so many people actually ask me about that. There's always like an ongoing debate of like how much you should offer to your advisor. What I always recommend to startup founders is to go with the template. Um, And uh, there's one offered by Founders Institute. Uh, So if you just like Google, you know, advisor compensation, like startup advisor compensation, just like Founder Institute advisor, that will come up. It's essentially like a template of agreement between you and your advisor. And then also it has a specific uh, um, range of equity that the advisor mm-hmm. receives, which corresponds to the time that they are dedicating to your startup, their experience. Uh, and that usually falls somewhere between a 0.2 to 1% of equity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's more or less what, what you know, by default advisors should should get yeah yeah um i've also been in a lot of those conversations recently too so it's it's really helpful to get like your your experience there um so you met your co-founders four months meeting them through yc platform and you built this team did you know at this uh point you was the vision and goal of that zero 
the same today as what you were when you were just starting out and building out the team? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a great question. Um, definitely things change, change along the way. Uh, we've learned a ton from, you know, speaking with lenders. And uh, uh, one thing that we've learned is that um, the sales cycle is, in finance is really long. Uh, obviously, there's an advantage of B2B, which is you don't have the marketing costs, right? You don't have yeah. to scale millions of users. So like it's enough if you have one or two companies that join as, as clients. Yeah. However, to get these clients in some industries, it takes time. And also B2B is like heavily based on relations. So if you don't have connections in that particular industry, that's, that takes longer. So that's yeah. one learning there, uh, which is, yeah, it, it's going to be a while <laughs> before we close <laughs> the first client, and that's normal. Um, yeah. so, so that's one learning that we did there. We definitely did some iterations on the product and uh, the features that we were building. Also, the clients who we are, the potential clients we are targeting. Yeah. Um, yes, so there's, there's been changes along the way, for sure. Yeah, early stages just like that. We are um, with the startup that I'm working on now. Um, we're also in beta, and that early stage, we're like, yeah, this is our assumption on doing X, Y, Z, but we don't know if it's going to work or not, and we just adapt as we go. So, yeah, I totally understand, especially the B two B side and the relationship that we're building, especially with that um, the you know the fintech finance advisor. That must probably put like a really helpful rubber stamp on debt zero and reaching out to customers. Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, that helps, you know, our advisor has been very helpful with connecting us to others in the uh, industry. So yeah, that's, that's been, uh, that's been great. One thing that I also would recommend to, to, you know, your listeners who are, who are startup founders is to apply to different startup programs. So, mm-hmm. um, with Airwonder, I applied to accelerators and we got accepted um, and, and we took part in two accelerators. And that okay. really helped us, especially being a first-time founder. There's a yeah. lot of things that you can learn about, you know, marketing, user interviews, user acquisition, uh, and just being among other founders really, yeah. really helps. That's a very important part is to have founders community because if you live in the city that doesn't have a strong startup community, it can yeah. feel really lonely. No one will understand you. Your you know, friends and family will just tell you to get a job. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it really helps to have the community around you. So if you live in San Francisco or New York, you know, it pays off to join some um, startup meetups. Uh, if you are elsewhere, like it's worth to consider uh, accelerators and sometimes even, you know, there are other programs as well. Like with Dead Zero, we applied to, um, there's a conference, FinTech conference, Money 2020. And oh, they yeah, have a Rise Up program. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I applied to the Rise Up program that they have. We got selected for that. So that was really amazing for us to take part in that pro- program that really helped us to connect to others yeah. Um, yeah, for example, I, I met somebody from Discover at, at that conference and they connected me today. I had a call with, with Discover. So, so like, um, it, it's great to, to yeah, to, like really as a founder, you just need to leverage all the opportunities that are out there. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I also, to- that's the joining the accelerators, like one of the things that I also um, advise a lot of different, or like, especially first time, because I went through that stuff as well, where I remember the first week of an accelerator, I was like, oh my gosh, I made three breakthroughs on how I thought about this problem, how I approached this X, Y, Z. And I was thinking, if I was in my apartment in New York, yeah, I would go to networking events, but the speed where I like turn around and ask questions and like engage with other founders who are around the same time, same stage where you are, um, that was a game changer for me. Um, so yes. yeah, I hundred percent agree with you there. I know there's a lot to cover and, you know, we can always have you and dead zero back on the show again, as time goes on and as the company grows, but are you ready for the last couple of questions? Sure. So um, one of the things on that um, I would love to ask, especially helpful for early stage founders um, for both air wonder and acquiring customers and debt zero and acquiring your earliest customers. How have you done that? What has worked for you? Mm-hmm. Great question. Yeah, you know, these are two different businesses because with AirWonder, we were B2C for majority of the time. We then yeah. launched a B2B product. Uh, however, it was mainly B2C. And then Dead Zero, I, I just went straight to B2B. Yeah. Um, and both are very different. So with B2C, uh, it's easier to get these first clients because you will almost always find somebody who's excited about the new product who can be an early adopter. Uh, so for that, um, I would recommend, you know, um, first of all, like building the audience even before you build your product. And that I would recommend for like both B2B and B2C. And mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that you need a paid client right away, although that would be ideal. But, yeah. you know, starting with a client discovery, asking the right question. Um Recently, I was reading that book. It's called The Mom Test. And it's actually really good for that, for specifically how to do client discovery, how to ask the right questions. Um, And it's very important to do it right because it's easy to interpret some early signals as, oh, this person will pay for it, whereas they're just trying to be nice. (laughs) So, yeah, um, yeah, and I uh, uh, also, like, at some point I joined... uh, um, a group it's called founders cafe and that helps you that's actually specifically a program specifically designed to help you get that first client uh so it's focused specifically on that um and that was actually quite helpful but yeah when it comes to b2c you know there's like a lot of different options you can start with some like facebook groups that are you know some forums that are discussing this particular subject and get some people who are already passionate about it to present your idea, get their feedback, understand if somebody would actually pay for what you're building and who that person is. Uh, Then obviously moving from there, trying to find some other similar people if you find something that worked, Um, you know, putting it on product hound, um, social media marketing, that helps blogging about it. Like, All of these things is what you can do for B2C. And lastly, uh, I would recommend for anyone to like really um, be cautious with that because B2C 
uh, is very difficult to scale. Like these days, you really need like, you know, even when you have a million users, it's not sufficient. Uh, mm. At times, you really need like a really like uh, uh, very high number of users. Uh, and sometimes it's very difficult to convert that to revenue. So B2C yeah. tends yeah. to be, in, in my opinion, at least more difficult than B2B. Um, with B2B, it's a different story. It's, you know, sometimes going to a conference where you can network mm-hmm. with these people using LinkedIn. That, that's at least what worked for me, doing some like email campaigns. Um, yeah, yeah. A- and getting warm introductions as well. Yeah. No, that's very, very helpful. It's, um, it's fascinating that you're saying even at a million for B2C, sometimes it's no, it's very hard to monetize because everyone, especially early stage founders with, um, new products, they're like, Oh my gosh, I would love to be in that position where we have a million users. So those are really sound advice, Ella. Um, the next question is what were some of your challenges as an immigrant founder? creating debt zero? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, particularly with debt zero, uh, I mean, j- just like particularly in general about like credit space. Uh, the challenge there is like being from Europe, um, it's, it's different. Uh, uh, in Europe, people mainly use debit cards. Like yeah. few people actually even have credit cards the loans are not that popular like yeah people take mortgage but it's not like like in us there's so many people who live on credit cards who live on some type of loans and they're almost always in negative which is scary but uh and there's a large number of these people like when i was doing uh, you know my research and like finding some like statistics um on that there's like over 120 million Americans who are struggling with debt. Like that's a huge number. That's one third of the country. Yeah, one third. Yeah, and you know, like in Europe, the approach is different. People think about it more like I need to first make money to spend money. So mm-hmm. uh, I've learned a ton here about, yeah, credit cards, you know, how it all works, uh, which is super exciting because I love just like having a new concept and, and like learning all about it. Yeah. But yeah, I would say that that was my struggle there, like a different, I guess, uh, financial system, different attitude yeah. to um, credit and, and debt that people have in Europe versus America. Yeah, the cultural difference is so stark. Um, my mom is Japanese and the credit card usage is not that high as well. Japan is still a very cash heavy society. Um, and then you you know, we come back to the U S and it's like very credit card specific. It's, um, it's really fascinating for me to see. And I I know like even for, yeah, being, having a negative balance is always such a, like a scary thing to have in your head. Um, but so many, you know, so many people, so many Americans like have that. And it's, it's, uh, it's a challenging problem to solve, but a worthwhile problem to solve with that zero. Thank you. And last question that I love to ask. Um, the mm-hmm. reason why I'm asking this is because I think, uh, you know, founders are generally an optimistic bunch. I think you want to change something because you know you uh, you have the ability to change. 
right? But immigrant founders, especially, I noticed that going to another place and saying, like for you, I wanted to be in North America, South America. I wanted to build, um, you know, an entrepreneur uh, startup or company because I, you know, uh, I could I saw these opportunities. Um, so I love to ask, what are you optimistic about, Ella? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the the definitely the current market is a little bit difficult when we see all the layoffs that are happening in tech. And uh, uh, potentially also AI, maybe even increasing uh, um, the number of layoffs. But, um, you know, one thing that I've heard that's, I would say, optimistic is that um, these layoffs are mainly happening in large companies who mm-hmm. like overhired mainly in 2021 and uh, are now trying to, you know, get profitable and therefore cutting their costs. And what ends up happening is actually a lot of people start their businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met a couple of people here in San Francisco that uh, got laid off as engineers or from other roles and just started their own business. Um, yeah. There's also many people who are joining smaller businesses. So potentially, potentially there might be a movement to uh, small businesses, like small businesses may be growing. Yeah. Uh, and these like large, you know, co- corporations potentially, you know, potentially making space for something new to happen. So, so that's something that I'm excited about seeing the potential of, you know, giving the power back to some, you know, small businesses, startups, mom and pop businesses and like, yeah, all sorts of like small companies. I think that's a good, good trend. Um Obviously, AI is very exciting these days. The perspective of, you know, um, having this like highly customized content, especially when it comes to education or different type of courses. You know, before, if you wanted to learn something new, you would join a course and it would be kind of general, but maybe you're interested in like one particular area there. You can just create your own course today. They will talk about this one particular thing. And I think that's what's very exciting that we can get like highly specialized in something by just designing our own course, uh, designing our own content, uh, you know, designing the art that like really matches what we what we want. Maybe we don't need to stock images anymore. So like that potential of like really creating something that you want exactly what you want in a very short span of time. That's super exciting. Yeah, I love those too. Um, one of the goals for this podcast is I would love for people to start more companies and especially hearing your stories like that. And like you said, um, I want to recreate that moment when you went to San Francisco and said, oh, people who are like me are starting companies. I want people to hear and be like, oh, um, I have a similar story like Ella and you know, she's a founder, two-time founder, um, and, you know, I I want to be able to do that. So I agree with you on both spectrums of the positivity towards um, small businesses and talent not getting hoarded by large companies. And then the second yeah. one is these tool sets that AI give you to give a lot of power back to the individuals to create when previously it was, like, very expensive or very difficult to do that so i love those two and with that um how can people 
you know, they hear you, they hear this episode, how can people le- reach out to you, um, find Debt Zero, and where do you want to direct them to? Uh-huh. Yeah, um, people can find me on LinkedIn if they look for, you know, Ella Bader on LinkedIn, if we are connected to at least fair degree that they're, you know, more than welcome to send me an invite. Uh, people can also go to our website, which is Debt Zero, uh, D-E-B-T Zero dot A-I. Um, and they can go there, you know, fill up the form, just like ask the question there and I will receive, uh, yeah, you know, I monitor that. So I'll be able to respond. We'll add those to the show notes. Thank you so much, Ella, for your time. And thank you for sharing your story about Dead Zero as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this valuable, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast app. One more thing. Foreign Founders is a new podcast, so please consider leaving a rating or review. That helps more people find the show. See you on the next episode.